0: Good evening. It uh, was a very relaxing afternoon. We had a delicious meal at the Dunbars. We met Max. Max and I became buddies. And so, if you see some gray hairs on my, it's not mine. It's his. Uh, anyway, we had a great time this afternoon. Relaxing. The Buffalo Bills won 35 to nothing over the Dolphins. Which I was 13 years as pastor in Buffalo, so I've had to become a Buffalo fan. To be honest, I gave up on football when they started walking out on the, or kneeling during the national anthem, so I don't really pay much attention to it. But, but um, you know, pampered brats, really. So, anyway, 20 years ago, I was thinking as we was sitting here, 20 years ago, September 9th, I believe I, it was the date I was with you, uh, I asked the question what will God have to do to wake up America? On September 10th, I traveled to Washington, D.C. On September 11th, 2001 is when 9-11 happened. And the problem with, uh, Tony Blair said, uh, 9-11 was a wake-up call. The problem is most of the world rolled over and went back to sleep. And I'm sorry to say that that really is the case, but we are 20 years from that date and we are still, God has still given us a window of opportunity to, to preach the gospel, and we're thankful for that opportunity, but I, I need to warn you that I see that door closing. I see persecution on the horizon, and I think we're gonna, now is the time we need to stand up for Jesus Christ. There are two great questions. Who is Jesus Christ? And what will you do with Jesus Christ? Jesus asked his disciples in Matthew chapter 16, Who do men say that I am? And Peter gave the answer, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. That is the right answer. I thought tonight what we would do is focus on Jesus. I was asked by several people, What are you going to preach on? I'm going to preach on Jesus. The song leader asked, What's the title of your message? I said, I am. He said, No, I know you are preaching, but what is the message? I said, No, that's the message. I am. So let's turn. We're going to look at the the seven statements of Jesus in John, where he said, I am. The first one's found in John chapter 6 in verse 35. Before we read that and get started, let's pray. Father, thank you now for your word. Open it to us. Help us to understand it, to comprehend it, and to apply it to our hearts. Help us to answer correctly who is Jesus Christ, and then help us, Heavenly Father, to have the right answer with what we will do with Jesus Christ ask God now that you would use me as a clay vessel in Jesus name. Amen. Chapter chapter John chapter 6 verse 35 and Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh unto me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Then farther down in that chapter verse 47, verily verily or truly truly I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am the bread, uh, that bread of life. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. By that, he meant he is, as bread is necessary for physical life, it is necessary to have Jesus to have spiritual life. He is the one who gives life, He is the life giving Savior. The People there did not understand and you'll see throughout John that the Jewish leaders were upset at things that Jesus said. This is one. Believe in me and you'll have everlasting life. That's, that's quite a radical statement. And to say I am the bread of life, he compares himself to the manna that came down from heaven during the time that the children of Israel were in the wilderness. Remember, they had fled Egypt, God had delivered them actually from Egypt, led them into the wilderness. In the wilderness, they suddenly realized there are no grocery stores, there's no place for food. What are we going to eat? Moses prayed and the next morning, there was something on the ground. When they looked at it, they said, what is it? In Hebrew, that's manna. We still don't know what it means. We don't know if it was a seed that they had to grind up and make into bread, or if it was already pre-made bread. Uh, The book of Psalms says it was angel food. Men did eat angel's food, and they complained about it, by the way. But God himself provided for them physical bread that would allow them to live. Now God has provided for us the bread of life that we might have everlasting life. Let's turn over to John chapter 8 in verse 12 for the next reference. Then spake, uh, verse 12, then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of light. This world is spiritually dark. Jesus is the light that came into the world, he is the light of the world. Furthermore, those who follow him cannot walk in darkness. If you're a Christian and you're not living for the Lord, you're a contradiction in terms. You can't walk in darkness and say, you know, the father lights. It just doesn't make sense. Jesus is that light. He is the one who can take care of us. Let's go over to chapter nine and verse five, where he repeats this, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. He is the one who reveals our sin. Light is, you know, revealing when you uh, get up in the morning Uh, You look in the mirror, you look pretty good if it's dark. (laughs) But if you turn the light on, you see all your imperfections. And Jesus has that impact on us. Uh, When we see him, we understand our own perfections. Uh, Peter, remember when he realized who Jesus Christ was when he was fishing in the boat, said, Lord, depart from me for I'm a sinful man. Isaiah said he saw the Lord high and lifted up. In the, and when he realized what he had done, he said, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. When we really see Jesus as he is, if we really see the light, uh, country western song, I saw the light, I saw the light. One day, you know, that's kind of what happened when you're saved. One day, the light kind of dawns on you. May have been through a gospel track. I mentioned this morning our friend Jeff Carpenter passed away, I didn't tell you how he was saved. He was saved through a gospel track that somebody left in a laundromat. Grew up in an unsaved home. One day he was doing, went to do his laundry and somebody had left the track. He picked it up, read it, and, and did what it said. He prayed to receive Jesus Christ. The light dawned, he was saved. Jesus is the light of the world. That happened in your heart if you're saved. You heard a message, maybe you read a track, Maybe it was a parent that helped you. But somewhere along the line, it suddenly dawned on you that you needed to be saved. The light started drawing in your life. That's Jesus Christ. He is the light of the world. He is all of that. Let's go to chapter 10. There are a couple of them in chapter 10. The first one, Jesus is talking about, uh, the chapter is talking about the good shepherd. But he says first... Then said Jesus unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, in verse 7, I am the door of the sheep. Shepherds in, in Israel would, at night, gather the sheep together and they would stretch out a fold that would enclose them so they would be safe. And there was no door except the shepherd himself would lay down and be the door. He he himself would be the door, the protector. He was between the shelter would protect them from prey and anything that get at the sheep had to come through the shepherd. He is the door. Jesus is the door to salvation. There's only one door. Only one. Uh, The kids chorus. I forget. Only one door. One door. two. Two. Inside and outside, which side are you? That's a good question. Are you on the inside or outside? Are you in the fold or out of the fold? There's no other option. Jesus is the door. And he talks about thieves and robbers and others. But then if you go down to verse uh, 11, I am the good shepherd. My favorite psalm, and probably yours too, is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. It's actually part of three psalms. The good shepherd is Psalm 22 who gives his life for the sheep. Psalm 23 is the the great shepherd who cares for his sheep. And chapter 24 is the good shepherd, the glorified shepherd who comes again for his sheep. Jesus is clearly identifying the statement, remember, the Lord is my shepherd. Jesus here is saying, I am the good shepherd. So he is identifying himself with Jehovah. He is God. Now, they understood what he was saying. Bread of life, door, shepherd. They understand what he is claiming to be. That is repeated in verse 14. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of thine. That is, we know him. He knows us, but we also know him. I had a old man in my first church gruff old cuss. He, uh, he was ne- always needed to shave. He was, always, he was a, a machinist. He had his own little shop and he was a welder and all, did all those things. He always had sweatshirts that had holes burning in it. You know, he died I, and they, his family dressed him up. I went to the funeral home, didn't recognize him. He was in a suit, shaved, the whole works. But his favorite expression was when he witnessed to people, do you know the Lord? Do you know him? That was his question. Not have you received him, not are you saved. He'd just like to say, do you know the Lord? And he was rather direct about it, too. If you don't know the Lord, you're lost. And he, he won several people to Christ doing that. Well, he's the good shepherd who knows his sheep. You, you'll find uh, throughout this that he is the shepherd who gives eternal life to his sheep. He is the one who preserves us and takes care of us. Aren't you glad you have a shepherd? Aren't you glad you have one who cares for you? Now, you have a great under-shepherd, Pastor Dunbar, and that's a wonderful thing. It's great to be in a church and have a shepherd, but, you know, there is a chief shepherd. That chief shepherd will never leave you nor forsake you. Friendship Baptist Church is hurting today because their shepherd's gone home to be with the Lord. But ultimately, they have a shepherd who will take care of them, and he'll meet their need. He's the good shepherd. What a wonderful truth. Now go over to chapter 11, verse 25. This was the text that Pastor Carpenter selected for me to give at his funeral. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. The resurrection. Death is not the end. Death is a hard thing to face we don't like to experience the death of our loved ones there's several reasons for that life will never really be the same after the death of a loved one you know, you'll go on and you'll adjust and you know but it's never really the same um, my mother and dad are both in heaven i still miss them i still every once in a while sunday night especially I, my mother i'd call my mother every sunday night in the ministry and call her and say how i She'd want to know, how, how are you doing? I, I've been praying for you all day. How are you doing? I think when I get to heaven, mom's going to say, well, how would, how'd you do? How'd you do? Um, you know, yeah, we just kind of miss our loved ones. But because Jesus is the resurrection and the life, death is not the end. It's not the end. At her graveside, I said, good night, mom as I did many times as a boy, I'll see you in the morning. See you in the morning. He's the resurrection and the life. Now, in order for him to be the resurrection and the life, he had to conquer death. He had to die and rise again. And he did. He not only did that, he demonstrated that he had the power to do that by raising Lazarus from the dead in this chapter. Lazarus... The friend, brother of, a friend of Jesus and brother of Mary and Martha had died. They had sent word to Jesus saying, please come and help. Our brother is sick. Jesus delayed his going. The disciples didn't quite understand. They knew it was dangerous to go to Jerusalem. This is during the time. This is just before the week of the Passion. They knew it was dangerous. Thomas said, all right, let's go and die with him. When he finally decides to go, he gets there. And Martha runs out to see him and said, Lord, if you'd have been here. My brother had not died Jesus said he's gonna rise again she said well I know he's gonna rise again at the last day people in the Old Testament understood the resurrection they knew that life was not the end God describes himself as the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob they're still though they're dead they're still alive Job said, the worms destroy my body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. He understood there would be a resurrection. Daniel chapter 12, verse 2 says there's a resurrection to, sh- to everlasting life, but there's also a resurrection to shame and everlasting content. Jesus is the resurrection. So he goes to the grave and says, Lazarus, come forth. They say, wait a minute, Lord, he's been dead four days. It's hopeless. Not with Jesus. When Jesus shows up at a funeral, the funeral's over. Yeah, and he comes forth. He says, Loosen. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'd have been in that crowd, these are Jewish people, probably some of them paid to be mourners, because that's what the custom was in that day. If I'm standing by the grave, and the person who's been dead four days, who already stinketh, according to his, his sister, comes out of that grave, I'm getting out of there. I'm leaving, right? He's the resurrection and the life. Why didn't they run? Because he's the resurrection and the life. Where would you go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Well let's go to 14:6. You know this passage. It begins with, "Let not your heart be troubled." It's a wonderful passage of Scripture. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house for many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you unto myself. But where I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said unto the name, Lord, we don't know the way. How can we, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Verse six, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Wow. Jesus said, I am the way. There's no other way, there's only one way to get to heaven and that's through Jesus Christ. Neither is salvation in any other whereby we, no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved, Acts four twelve. Only one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. He's the way, he's the truth. You're hearing a lot of lies if you watch the news today. You watch TV, or on social media, you'll see a lot of lies. You don't know what to believe sometimes. The whole business about vaccines. One day it's good for you, the next day it's bad for you. You lead this report and that report. I don't need any more articles, thank you, if you want to share with me. I've already got all I want. But I got the vaccine, you didn't get the vaccine, that's your business, my business. But listen, sometimes you don't know what's the truth. Oh, I know the truth. Jesus said, I'm the truth. I'm the truth. If it's in here, he said it, it's true. Someone has said, He, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Truth is, God said it, that settles it, whether you believe it or not. It's the way it is, he's the truth, he's the truth. And then he said, I am the life. Without him, there really is no life. In John 10, he said, I am come that they might have life and that abundantly, abundantly. See, before you're saved, you're really dead in trespasses and sins. You're really a dead person walking around. You need life. There's only one source of life, and that is Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Now go to chapter 15. We find the last one, last time. This is number seven, if you're counting. It's found in verse five. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him the same, bringeth forth much fruit. Without me, you can do nothing, nothing. See, he's talking about spiritual fruit. Now that could be taken in a lot of different ways. There's the fruit of character, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. That's the fruit of the spirit. The only way you can get that is by being connected to the vine. You're the branches. A branch that's not connected to the vine withers and dies. That's what happens. There's also the fruit of converts, winning people to Christ. You need to be saved in order to win people to Christ. That's just all there is to it. Really, he says, really, you can do nothing. I'm the vine, you're the branches. So Jesus has said all these statements of who he is. There are two more to look at. The first one is back in chapter 8, where he's not describing anything other than saying, I am Chapter 8, verse 53, or 58, rather. Jesus is conversing with some Jewish leaders. He speaks of Abraham. Then said the Jews unto him, verse 57, Thou art not yet 50 years old, hast thou seen Abraham? Now listen to the response. Verily, Jesus saith unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Now in doing that, he is identifying himself as the same God who appeared to Moses at the burning bush. Remember, Moses said, Moses was in the wilderness. He had wasted 40 years. One day he sees a burning bush. He decides, his curiosity gets in. He says, I'm going to go see what it is. As he gets nearer, he hears a voice saying, take off your shoes for you're standing on holy ground. And when he does, The voice says, God says, I have surely seen the affliction of my people and I'm come to deliver them. I'm going to send you to Pharaoh and deliver them with a strong hand. And Pharaoh said, Moses, wait a minute. When when the people say, who has sent me? What shall I say? What is your name? And God says, my name is I am. Not I was or that I will be or that I is. (laughs) I am now. I am is permanent, he is the eternal I am. This is the root word that we get Yahweh, Jehovah. This is a word that was so sacred that Jewish people would never say it. In your King James Bible, anytime the word Jehovah, there's a few exceptions, but most of the time when the word Jehovah appears, it's, they substituted Adonai in keeping with the custom of the Jewish scribes who when they wrote the word, copies of the word of God would never say the word. They would always substitute the word Adonai for fear of saying it in air. I am. They were shocked. They, in fact, these Jewish people were so upset, they were ready to stone him, kill him right on the spot. Look up verse 59. They took up stones to cast at him because Jesus, but Jesus hid himself, went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and passed by. Now, the reason they could do that is his hour was not yet come. They couldn't lay a hand on him. But they wanted to, they wanted to stone him, why? Because he dared to say, I am. He is the God of the Old Testament, he's God. And then chapter 18, toward the close of his ministry, they've come to arrest him. I'm gonna have trouble finding it, whoops. Chapter eighteen. Oh, there it is. In verse five, they come and they asked a question. Verse four says, Jesus therefore, knowing all things that should come unto him, went forth and said unto them, Who seek ye? And they said, answered him, Jesus of Nazareth, and Jesus saith unto them, I am. Now the Hebrew or the Greek rather is just I am, but the King James translators, for clarification, said, I am he. Judas also, Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. And as soon as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell on the ground. So when they come to Jesus and they say, he says, who are you seeking? They said, we're seeking Jesus of Nazareth. He says, I am. And when they says, he said that, they fell they couldn't lay a hand on him until God allowed it. Jesus was not forcibly taken to the cross. Jesus willingly went to the cross. There's a song, an uh, uh, expression that people use once in a while. His blood was shed. My father-in-law, who was my pastor for many years, used to object to that. Or his blood was spilt, rather. His blood was spilt. He said, no, he didn't spill his blood. Spills spills, some of you, by accident. He gave himself willingly for us. He willingly died. He is the I am. He's the great one. Turn over to chapter 20. And John tells us why he wrote this gospel. And many other signs. Verse 30. Did Jesus in the presence of his disciples. Which are not written in the book. But these are written that you might believe. That Jesus is the Christ. The son of God. And that believing you might have life. Through his name. Now Jesus has said, I am the door. I am the bread of life. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the, the way, the truth and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the vine. A person who says that cannot be described as a good person if what he said he knew was not true. Someone has put it this way, Jesus is either Lord as he said he was, or he's a liar, or he's a lunatic. But you cannot call him a good man if he knew he wasn't what he said he was, then he's a liar. If he really thought he was that he wasn't, then he's a lunatic along the lines of a person who claims to be a poached egg. But he was who he said he was. He is God incarnate. He is the savior of the world. So the question is, what are you going to do with him? What are you going to do with Jesus Christ? There's only one right answer, and that is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. The wrong answer is to reject him. To reject him is to reject the way, the truth, the life. To reject him is to go on the outside of the door instead of the inside of the door. To go without him is to cut yourself off from the vine that could give you life and enable you to produce spiritual fruit. To say no to him is to face the resurrection of shame and everlasting contempt. So what will you do with Jesus Christ? What have you done? Most of you here today are saved. You've received Jesus Christ as your Savior, but that may not be true for you. You may be like Justin, who's going to be baptized a little while. You prayed a prayer years ago, but you really never have, never really were saved until just a few months ago when he really accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. He shared his testimony with me today. What a glorious testimony. It's exciting to be with him, to see him get baptized and take this step. But what about you? What about you? Did you have your moment where you said yes to Jesus Christ? I was 13 years old, Bethany Baptist Church, Grand Blank, Michigan. I don't remember what the sermon was about. I had been struggling for some time about my salvation. I thought maybe I was saved, maybe not. Wasn't sure. The invitation hymn was given. You sang it earlier tonight, have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. And so help me, it was like a voice that said, it's now or never, Tom. And before I really realized what was happening, I had taken a step forward, and then another. You know, that first step was the hard one. The others were easy. I got to the front, and Bob Bittison, my pastor, said, Tom, why'd you come? I said, "Mister Pastor, I'm, I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure. If you're not sure, nothing's more important than knowing that you're sure, knowing that you know. You don't know how much time you have left. This may be the last gospel invitation you'll ever hear in your whole life. This may be your last opportunity. I urge you to be saved, to be saved. And if you are saved, rejoice in the one who is your savior and Lord. He's the good shepherd who cares for his sheep. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. I pray God that you have spoken to hearts in Jesus name, amen. They're gonna come and sing a hymn of invitation. God spoke to your heart, and Justin and Pastor are going to get ready for the service, baptismal service. God spoke to your heart. I'm inviting you to come. Stand with me, would you? Pastor, you got a song? Or, Brother, you got a song? 279. Okay, I'll let you